Good evening. It's uh, good to see you all tonight. A uh, very special night tonight. Very special message tonight. Uh, it is a continuation of our message from this morning. How many of you are here this morning? Okay, very good, very good. Um, the, the name of this message this, this evening is entitled Defense Against the Dark Arts. Defense Against the Dark Arts. And we are going to learn tonight how it is that we can defend ourselves through the grace of Christ from the dark arts of the enemy. Amen? Um, I'd like for you to bow your heads as I will pray up here. Heavenly Father, we ask for your spirit to be here tonight. We want to be ready when you come. Lord, cleanse our hearts because you know that without you they are wicked. Father, as human beings, we are capable of anything and everything. So, Lord, this is why we need you so much. Save us, Lord, from the enemy. And, Lord, speak to us tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to set the foundation tonight by reading to you a quote from the book Education, page 233. And it's a very powerful quote. It says here, an important element in educational work is enthusiasm. On this point, there is a useful suggestion in a remark once made by a celebrated actor. The Archbishop of Canterbury had put to him the question why actors in a play affect their audiences so powerfully by speaking of things imaginary, while ministers of the gospel often affect theirs so little by speaking of things real. With due submission to your grace, replied the actor, permit me to say that the reason is plain. It lies in the power of enthusiasm. We on the stage speak of things imaginary as if they were real. And you in the pulpit speak of things real as if they were imaginary. Wow. Wow. And so, beloved, I want to set the stage, if I may use that word tonight, I will not be up here acting. But I want to set the stage tonight by letting you know that I want you to see Christianity not tonight in an imaginary way, but in a very real way. Amen? Amen? 
Beloved, I want you to understand that Christianity is no imaginary thing. We are dealing with very real warfare. We are dealing with a very real battle. Defense against the dark arts. We learned a few uh, days ago in the book of Revelation chapter 18 and verse 23 that the Bible tells us the whole world would be deceived by sorceries. And we learned that that word for sorcery was the Greek word pharmakia, meaning anything that medicates the mind so that it will not follow the will of God. And beloved, I want to let you know tonight that the master sorcerer is none other than Satan himself. And Satan is a master of dark arts. The arts that he employs to deceive and to beguile and to lead souls astray. And so tonight we want to know how can we be defended? How can we defend ourselves against these dark arts? You'll remember uh, this, this afternoon we, we began to see some things about Christ who he is, Jesus Christ, we saw today, was the, or is, I should say, the great, the great grand master. Amen, you remember that. And he has called his people, in essence, to become spiritual, I call it, faith fighters. Faith fighters. That's a spiritual martial art, the art of faith fighting. Anybody want to learn the art of faith fighting? Now, there's no school on earth that you can go to to learn this. We learned that if we wanted to become masters over self, because our greatest enemy is indeed who? Self. In fact, our motto should be no enemy but one, no enemy but self. You see, our problem is that we often think that somebody else is our enemy. My wife is my enemy. (laughs) My husband, he's the problem. She's the one there or he's the one there. But beloved, the greatest enemy that we have is self. And when we get to the place where we eliminate all physical enemies, beloved, that is when we are in a serious place with God. You see, the Bible tells us, it says, whence comes war and fightings among you? Among you? Is it not because of the lust that war in your flesh? Do you realize that all external warfare is a result of poorly fought internal Warfare. All external warfare is simply the result of the terrorist inside you having broken out. The devil's insider. And so, beloved, one of the principles we must learn as faith fighters is that one of our first battles is is to contain self. Never let self loose. Keep him behind bars. And beloved, if we can do that, we have won half the battle. No enemy but one. No enemy but self. Know thy enemy. Know thy enemy. Christ calls us, beloved, to enter into his school. He says, in fact, the opening verse, it was beautiful because they read Psalm 34, verse 18. It was actually Psalms 18, verse 34, but I appreciated the verse anyway. (laughs) 
And Psalms 18 verse 34 says, He teacheth my hands to war so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arm. So how many of you would like to learn how to fight tonight? We're, we're going we're gonna to do some... You are, you are officially in a martial arts class tonight. <laughs> Spiritual, amen? amen? We are going to learn some things tonight on how to fight the good fight of faith. But beloved, before we do any of that, we've got to learn how to get into the school of Christ. Amen? Amen. Now remember, beloved, you and I are up against supernatural forces. That's what the Bible tells us. And we learned this morning that, and in fact, a few days ago as well, that if we are to war against supernatural forces, against supernatural uh, enemies, principalities and powers and high places, we have got to get ourselves connected with one who is also what? Supernatural. Now, I want to tell you a story, and you will see that I do this very often. Beloved, let me tell you, for every counterfeit, there is a genuine. Now, I'm about to tell you a counterfeit story, and then I'm going to tell you that for every counterfeit, there is a genuine. There is a little boy by the age of 12 years old. His name is Harry. Harry is living in what he, what he knows as the real world. One day, Harry gets a visit from a wizard, and the wizard comes. He's from the wizard world. The wizard comes and says, Harry, you are really a wizard. Pack your bags and I want you to go down to the the train station, some train station in London. And when you get there, you are going to uh, uh, board on train or rather gate number nine and three quarters. I'm glad you guys kept quiet. (laughs) You know how many times I've done that? Nine and three quarters, Pastor. And so he, he, he's told, you are to enter, you are to go to the school, uh, what is it called? Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, and there you're going to learn about becoming a wizard. You're going to learn about receiving supernatural power. And so Harry's excited. And he packs his bags and he goes down to the train station and um, he gets there. And he's looking at the gates, gate number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then gate number 10. And he's wondering, gate number nine and three quarters? I don't see a gate number nine and three quarters. And then he realizes, I don't know how, but somehow he realizes that gate number nine and three quarters is an invisible gate. And he steps through that door, beloved, and all of a sudden, he is in a new world, an unseen world. And there he enters Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, where one of the classes is entitled Defense Against the Dark Arts. A wizard defense against the dark arts. And so, beloved, for every genuine or for every counterfeit, there is a genuine. And you say, where, Pastor? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. And I want you to notice with me verse 8. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. 
When you get there, please say amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible tells us here, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the life slain from the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us that all who dwell upon the earth are going to end up worshiping the beast. That's scary. Now you're saying, no, pastor, all who dwell upon the earth whose names are not written in the book of life. No, I'm saying all who dwell upon the earth will end up worshiping the beast. Every single person dwelling upon the face of the earth is going to end up worshiping the beast. And you're saying, Pastor, that's crazy. Let's think about that word dwell for a minute. What does the word dwell mean? Okay. I hear to live. Any other meanings for the word? To think or focus on. So now let's read that again. All who what? Dwell or focus or live as though all there is in this world is this world. All who are continually dwelling upon this earth are going to end up worshiping the beast. All whose minds are simply consumed with the here and the now are going to end up worshiping the beast. So I read this and I say, well, I don't want to be one of those dwelling on the earth. I want to escape from the world. Where can I go? And I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And notice verse 4 and on. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in where? Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Beloved, did you just understand what you read? The Bible tells us that in Christ we may be seated in where? Heavenly places. Now let me ask you a question. Where, where is heavenly places? Anybody know the location? <laughs> it's amazing, beloved, that Jesus is telling us that we may actually dwell in that unseen realm when? Now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me put it this way, beloved. There is a seen world And then there is what I like to call a faith world. There is an invisible veil or an invisible door which separates the two. Am I telling the truth? And so, beloved, what happens is that we are fighting an unseen enemy. And as Christians, we're fighting him in the seen world. We're trying to go, okay, devil, come on, let's go. And the devil is laughing. Why? Because we're at a disadvantage. But guess what? What would happen if by faith we crossed over that veil to begin living in heavenly places? Now. You say, Pastor, is that possible? We on the stage speak of things imaginary. Because I know some of you look at me like he's crazy. 
We on the stage speak of things imaginary as if they were real. And you in the pulpit speak of things real as if they were imaginary. Beloved, there is a very real unseen world. Amen. And we are told, beloved, God says, I want to invite you into this unseen, into this heavenly place, because we are told that all spiritual blessings are found in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians 1, verse 3. So if I want spiritual blessings, where do I need to go? I need to go to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Anybody interested in going to heavenly places? Now, beloved, you say, well, Pastor, I don't know. Listen, listen, let me read this to you. Signed of the Times, February 17th. We do not understand as we should the great conflict going on between invisible agencies, the controversy between loyal and disloyal angels. Over every man, good and evil angels strive. Pause right there. How many people in this room? We got about 380. Do you realize... Let me read it again. (laughs) Over every man, good and evil angels strive. Now, see, you all are sitting in here and you're just sitting in here like your your focus, your attention is all here, is all up here. But you don't many of you are sitting here and, and maybe not purposely, but you don't realize what's actually going on right now. I mean, if the veil could be removed That's what you do when you're eating good food. Mm. Mm. Praise God for the word of God. Amen. Mm. I do that myself. Mm. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I'll be in a room and there's somewhere in the room. And, you know, they'll just hear it there. Mm. It's like. Over every man, good and evil angels strive. This is no make-believe conflict. It is no mimic battle in which we are engaged. We have to meet powerful adversaries, and it rests with us to determine which side shall win. This is no make-believe battle. Now, beloved, here we are in the, in the scene world, and we're trying to go, okay, devil, come on. And the devil's laughing at us, and Christ is saying, beloved, if you enter in over into the faith world, you are now on vantage ground. All of a sudden now, the devil can't do you like he used to do you when you just were just dwelling upon the earth. And so he invites us, come over. But I want to give you another example. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 6, when you get there, please say amen. Second Kings chapter 6, and this is beautiful, beloved, because guess what? There is another school that we are to enter into, and it is called the school of Christ. And guess where the school of Christ is located? In heavenly places. In the faith world. Beloved, it is no coincidence that the devil inspires somebody to write this book about Harry Potter entering over into this other world, this unseen world. Beloved, for every counterfeit, there is a genuine. 
And in these last days, more than ever, God is appealing to his people. The final conflict is going to be a supernatural one. And he is appealing to his people. You know, we, do, we read the Bible. We're reading it right in the real world. And you know what? We're just, we are oblivious to the supernatural nature of the conflict. And so we're in church talking about Bible, talking about doctrine, proving what is right, proving what is wrong, without even recognizing the supernatural nature of Christianity. Christ invites us into that school where we may begin to learn the true defense against the dark arts. Amen? Notice 2 Kings chapter 6. Here is the story. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 14. The Syrians have been sent to go find Elisha. Elisha is in his home or, you know, they're in a village. They are lodged, Elijah and his servant. And uh, the servant gets up this morning and he goes out for an early morning walk. You remember the story. And uh, as he steps outside, he notices that the Syrian army is, is, is in mass surrounding them. Listen to what it says, verse 14. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Elisha's servant steps out, he runs back in and says, We are surrounded, we are doomed, it's over, we're finished. So Elisha says, Well, let me go outside and take a look. And so the servant is just hanging out in the house like, I, I can't believe this. What, I wonder what Elisha's going to say. And Elijah comes back into the house and listen to what he says. Verse 16, he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, hold on. You are Elisha's servant. What are you thinking right now? Poor Elisha. He is so terrified that he has lost his mind. <laughs> Question, in which world is Elisha's servant living in? In which world is Elisha living in? The faith world. And I want you to notice what happens in verse, uh, verse, verse 15, or rather verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes i like that prayer i heard earlier just before this meeting opened lord open our eyes open his eyes that he may see what is laodicea's problem she's blind she's got bible knowledge but she's blind to something she has gotten so bogged down in defense of the truth that she has forgotten about the supernatural nature of the truth. She has forgotten about the supernatural element of the conflict. And so she goes forward trying to fight the fight of faith in her own strength. Not realizing that there is supernatural power available.
those who make Christ their daily companion and familiar friend will feel that the powers of an unseen world are all around them. And by looking unto Jesus, they will become assimilated to his faith, to his image. And then it goes on to say, the faces of men and women who talk with God, to whom the invisible world is a reality, express the peace of God. Medical Ministry, page 252. Is the invisible world a reality to you? I mean, think about it. You know, Jesus says we must have the faith of a child. Why do you think he says that? Because children believe. You on a stage speak of things real as if they were imaginary. How many of you have an invisible friend? amazing if we were to ask all of you to leave the room and invite some new agers and witches into the room and ask them the same question how many of you have an invisible friend if you didn't raise your hand they would look at you like you are crazy Are you sure you're a witch? Could it be that the witches and the new agers have more faith? (laughs) You on the stage speak of things real as if they were imaginary. Could it be that those people have more faith in their unseen than we do in ours? Could it be that the reason why the New Age movement is growing so rapidly is because they really believe while we just talk about? Jesus tells us, lo, I am with you always. So if Jesus said, lo, I am with you always, then that must mean that you have an invisible friend. See, you said, I will not look crazy in this room tonight. So I'm not raising my hand. Nope. (laughs) Anybody hear voices? (laughs) Man, you all laughed, but nobody raised their hand. (laughs) I know what you're getting at. I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> nope. And they have cameras going. <laughs> Interesting, beloved, because Jesus says when the spirit of truth has come, whatsoever he hears, that will he speak. He tells us, uh, 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 and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. So if you're a Christian and you're not hearing voices, something is the matter with you. 
You in the, you in the pews speak of things real as if they were imaginary. You see, beloved, I believe we have a long way to go. But we can make that long way in a short time if we believe. So Christ invites us to begin to live the Christianity of a child. You know, when I was a child, I used to love comic books. Love them. It was like another world. Little did I realize that those things were counterfeits of a genuine. Because Christ invites us into another world. You know, they've got a, <laughs> they've got a comic book figure. They've got a movie out, in fact, right now called Fantastic Four. And there's a guy, superhero, I mean, comic book figure. His name is Johnny. And Johnny says, flame on. And guess what? He, turns, he turns into a ball of flame, a human torch. Did you know that was a counterfeit? Did you know that John says in the book of Matthew, he says, Lo, he says, I baptize you with water. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, you still don't get it because, beloved, listen, when you're baptized in water, you go down in the water and you come up what? Wet. So when you're baptized in fire... You go down in fire <laughs> and you say with me, flame. Man, that was weak. <laughs> Beloved, God is calling his people to flame on. To become human torches of his love. Because that's what the fire stands for. You realize that. We'll talk about that one of these nights. And so God calls us, come into my school, because when you come into my school, you will sit under my, under my teachings. I will teach you and instruct you in the way that you shall go. I will guide you with mine eye. I will train your arms so that a bow of steel is broken by them. I will teach you how to defend yourself against the dark arts. Amen? Amen. And so, beloved, when we enter into the school of Christ, we learn what it means to become a soldier, and we leave behind our civilian status. Because most of us are Christian civilians. You know what a civilian is, right? A civilian may support the war. But he doesn't fight. A soldier fights the war. And beloved, there should be no such thing as a Christian civilian. It's an oxymoron. So when we become Christians, we also become soldiers or faith fighters and so now beloved i want to share with you whew, as quickly as i can just a few of the things that the lord will teach you when you enter into that remember i was talking about the Shaolin school this morning remember that Shaolin school the school of the, of the, you know, that school where all the martial artists wanted to go to in China. The Shaolin Temple. Where they could sit under the master and learn. Beloved, this school, the school of Christ, is where we learn how to truly master self. 
And we're getting ready to see seven arts, seven arts that Christ will teach us through experience that will help us to defend ourselves against the enemy of soul. So are you ready? Art number one. And I will try to go through these as quickly as I can. The first thing, the first art that a faith fighter will learn is the art of stillness. The art of what? Still. He say, that's an art. Yes, beloved, that is an art. The art of stillness. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, or we might say whose mind is stilled on thee. The art of stillness. Beloved, I want you to realize that the devil wars against this art of stillness. You see, um, when you go down to pray, and that's what the school of Christ is. You know, when, when I go to learn of Christ, what I do is I will go and I will sit and I will begin to pray. Or rather, I will sit and I will say, Master, I'm here. And the master gets ready to instruct his student. That's what prayer is. Did you know that? Did you know that prayer is, a, is an interchange? Did you know that prayer is something, it's a dialogue, it's, it's, it's like a classroom? Anybody ever been to class? <laughs> Beloved, just imagine, imagine sitting in the class of Christ. You say, how do we do that? He says, simple. The first art I will teach you, my son, is the art of stillness. See, that's why the devil wars against you praying so much because he knows by praying you enter into the school of Christ and you begin to learn things that you could have learned no other way. And so when you get down to pray, what's happening in your mind? You may be kneeling still, but your mind is going 100,000 miles an hour. And so you get nothing out of your prayer session except getting out your prayer list or the people that you knew you were supposed to pray for, whatever it was, but you get nothing because you've, you're in a, a hurry. When, Jesus, when the Bible tells us, be still and know that I am God. Beloved, stillness is an art, a rare art form in these days. Because everybody is so busy. I don't have time to pray like that. I don't have time to sit at the master's feet like that. Listen. Many, even in their seasons of devotions, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. They're in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, precincts but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. Education, page 260. No time to be what? Still. And beloved, when we enter into that faith world and understand the supernatural nature of the God that we serve, he will teach us how to be still. You know what that means? That means your prayer time is now going to go from three minutes 
to 30 minutes. From 30 minutes to an hour and a half. Some of you almost passed out just now. (laughs) Are you crazy? I can't be still for that long. That's because, beloved, stillness is a supernatural art. That's why you can't do it. You can't just sit there and... But you know what? Isn't this funny? New agers know that when it's time for them to pray, they can't just get down and just start. They know that they've got to master stillness first. Before they get really connected with their spirits, they know that they've got to put everything out of their mind and just focus in on what they're focusing focusing in on. And as Christians, we just get down and we're up in a minute. They know they've got to prepare for this encounter and we just treat it like, ah. Could it, be because, could it be that it's because they have more faith in their encounters than we do with ours? I mean, what is prayer anyway? If I see you walking down the hallway and you're just talking to yourself, I'm going to think something's the matter with you, Right? But you tell me I'm talking to somebody invisible. I'm thinking, you realize you're claiming to do something supernatural. Did you, did you think about it like that? When you pray, you're claiming to do something supernatural. And beloved, that's what prayer is. It is something supernatural. Let me ask you a question real quick. We're going to come back to this. How many of you know, um, how many of you know Abraham Lincoln? All right. How many of you know about Abraham Lincoln? How do you know about him? The history books. You've read about him. You've, you know, you've heard people talk about him. So you know about him, but you don't what? Know him. Now I'm going to ask you another question. How many of you know about Jesus? Praise the Lord. Amen. Great, great. How do you know about him? We've read about him in the book. We talk about him every Sabbath. Now, you ready for the next question? How many of you know Jesus? Now, that's real strange because when I asked if you had an invisible friend, <laughs> Invisible friend. But beloved, if you know Jesus, you've got. (laughs) Did I just trick you or something? (laughs) Oh, man, I do have an invisible friend. Now what are they going to (laughs) think? Beloved, we've got to start seeing the reality of the, of, the, of the belief that we have. This is not something make-believe. This is real. And when we begin to treat it real, beloved, we will sit at the feet of Christ and not think that we are wasting half an hour just sitting there. Not only will he teach us the art of stillness, he will also begin to teach us the art of silence. See, that's the second one. The art of silence. You see, beloved, uh, uh, Isaiah 30 verse 15 tells us this. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. 
You see, beloved, quietness is also an art that the faith fighter must begin to learn because in quietness, he hears the what? The voice of God. See, when we get down to pray, what do you hear going on in your head? Everything you have to do, right? Or how about the music you just finished listening to? Or the television program that you just finished watching. You've got all this noise going on in your head. And beloved, it is on purpose. The devil does not want you to be silent so that you can hear the voice of God. And that's why when we pray, we pray such short prayers. Because we don't expect God to what? Say anything. We don't expect to hear God speak to us. And that's how I used to pray. Jesus, amen. And that was it. But beloved, when I began to listen for the voice of God, you know what? In my prayer time, I would sit there and I have a pen in my hand and I'll be like this. Mm. Mm. Now, beloved, I'm not ghostwriting. I'm not doing something that the sorcerers do. I'm simply listening for the voice of God. And when I get up with my piece of paper, I go back to the Bible and I say, man, look at this. It's all right there. You see, I'm not just hearing things. and go, Hey, I learned today that, you know, the Holy Ghost is a woman. No, beloved, when we listen to the voice of God, it will always fall in line with the word of God. Amen. So while we ought to be careful about what kind of voices we're hearing, we need not shut off the voice of God. Amen. And beloved, God does indeed speak to us. So he says, be still, be silent. And then the third art is the art of focus. The art of focus. You see, beloved, the Bible tells us That we must seek God with all of our hearts. Once we learn the art of stillness, okay, Lord, I'm going to be still. I'm going to spend that hour. And then we we learn the art of silence. Lord, I'm clearing my mind and I'm listening for you. Then he says, now, my son, I'm going to teach you the art of focus. You know what focus means? It means to gather everything you have and and, and bring them together into one concentrated ray. (laughs) Beloved, it means focus is, it means strength of thought. It's concentrated. You know, like orange juice? Focused orange juice, you know what focused orange juice is? It's concentrated orange juice. Can I do that? Can I say that? It's concentrated. It's, it's, um, it's, um, it's potent. God says, take all your thoughts and focus them on me. Now, beloved, let me tell you what we do. Very often we go to prayer and we say, Lord, I need this and Lord, I need that. And there's a problem here. And we are focused on our problems and what we need. Jesus says, when you enter into my school to become a faith warrior, it's a different story altogether. When you come in, not that praying for those things is bad. There's places for that down the road. But beloved, right now, I want you to understand that I am your everything. Focus. 
And so we begin to learn this art of focus, of, of, of bringing everything we have uh, and, and presenting it and focusing it right upon Jesus Christ. Like a heat-seeking missile. Focus. It can't be taken off its mark. Focus. It's interesting that uh, the word focus comes from the Latin focalia, which means fireplace. <laughs> fireplace. I want you to think about this, beloved. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> think of a magnifying glass. What does a magnifying glass do? You hold a magnifying glass onto a piece of paper. What is, what is it doing? It is taking the rays of the sun and, and focusing it into one beam and you hold that beam on a piece of paper and all of a sudden you've got fire. Focus. You know what that's telling us, beloved? When we focus on Christ... And you're in prayer. Just, you know, bells are going off around you and you are lost. You understand what I'm saying? You are so focused on him, beloved. At that point, that's when the fire ignites. Amen. When we focus on him so much with all that we have that it's like holding a magnifying glass upon something, you begin to see the smoke rising off your heads. At least the devil begins to see it in the faith world, you know. He will see those things. Smoke is beginning to rise off this guy's head. <laughs> he is focusing on Christ. It's also interesting, the word goes back even further. Middle English, the word was fuel. It originated from the word fuel, which means material for making fire. Check out the etymology of this word focus. So if focus is the fuel, it's quite interesting, beloved, that there is a parable of ten virgins and five of them are without what? Oil. You want to know why? Because they were not focused on Jesus. So we learn the art of, of stillness. We, we learn the art of silence. And then we learn the art of focus. Jesus says, be still, be silent, and what? Focus. And then the fourth art, beloved, is the art of deep breathing. Yeah. The art of deep breathing. Jesus says, now that you have, si you have been still, now that you are silent, now that you are focused, now my son, my daughter, I want you to learn how to breathe deep. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? You remember when God created Adam? The Bible says he breathed into his nostrils the what? Breath of life. Beloved, prayer is the breath of the soul. Amen? Amen. And so God says, now I'm going to take you into the art of deep breathing or deep prayer. You see, beloved, what happens if you breathe shallowly? <laughs> You'll pass out. <laughs> You don't get that energy that you would if you breathe deep. And God says, I want you to learn how to breathe deep. I want to take you deep, 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 deeper than you have been, deeper than you have gone. Breathe. Fill your lungs with the Spirit of God. 
Beloved, let me tell you, these things are hard to put in words because, you know, it's, it's <laughs> how do you take what the teacher has taught you and explain to others? You, you have to experience this. You understand what I'm saying? Christianity, the reason why there's so many books in the Bible is because everybody writing had such difficulty explaining the love and the experience of God. That's why there's so many books. If there were more books written, it would still be difficult. In essence, beloved, Christianity must be demonstrated. You can try to explain it, but we're told we can never know the heights and depths. It must be demonstrated and experienced so that it leaves you speechless. See, when you're speechless about trying to explain the love of God, when you're speechless about a relationship with God... That's why the Bible calls it an unspeakable mystery. Ever read that? Unspeakable. Jesus says, be still. Say it with me. Be still. Be silent. Focus and breathe deep. You know, it's interesting. I have a quote here. It talks about blood or breathing deep. In order to have good blood, we must breathe well. Full, deep inspirations of pure air which fill the lungs with oxygen purify the blood. They impart to it a bright color and send a life-giving current to every part of the body. A good respiration soothes the nerves, it stimulates the appetite and renders digestion more perfect and it induces sound, fresh sleep. (laughs) Did you know that when you pray deep, it purifies the blood? You exhale impurities when you breathe deep, when you pray deep. When you pray deep, it sends oxygen, oxygen, the spirit of God to every part of the body. Amen. Amen. Beloved, it soothes the nerves when you pray deep. Anybody ever been nervous? (laughs) It stimulates the appetite when you pray deep. It makes digestion more perfect. What's the matter with you? I just read that I can't listen to this anymore. (laughs) See, if you had prayed before you ate. (laughs) Oh, man, that was good. I feel stronger now. Breathe deep, beloved. The art of breathing deep. And finally, it gives us sound sleep. Rest in Christ. Amen? Amen. Prayer is the breath of the soul. It is the secret of spiritual power. No other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul be preserved. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and muscle of the religious experience. Neglect the exercise of prayer or engage in prayer spasmodically now and then as it seems convenient and you will lose your hold on God. Anybody ever breathe spasmodically? Every now and then? I think I'll breathe a little bit later on. No, beloved, you can't do that. Prayer is the what? Breath of the soul. And beloved, we've got to have breath control. That's one of the things in martial arts they teach you all the time. You've got to learn how to what? Breathe. Because when you learn how to breathe, beloved, and when you learn how to breathe and you deliver a blow, guess what? It has more power if you breathe right. Some of us trying to hit the devil. Eh, eh. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) 
tired of you. And the devil's sitting there laughing. Beloved, if we breathe, do you know that there are martial artists who will... And boom. Stack of ice and they'll break the ice on the bottom piece and leave all the other ice on top intact. Now that's what they call chi power. And that's satanic. Sorry. But that's the way it is. But God says that you and I should have the power of the Holy Spirit so that when the, when the blocks, when the stumbling blocks of temptation are thrown, devil says, all right, try this one. And break that thing. How many of you want to break the stumbling blocks of temptation? Amen? Amen? Jesus says, breathe deep. Be still. Be silent. Focus and breathe deep. And then he introduces the art of knowing without knowing. What? The art of knowing. Without knowing. What in the world is that? You know, Hebrews chapter 11. Turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We are on art number 5, and I think we're going to make it through. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. The art of knowing without knowing. Notice what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, what is faith? I mean, if I say to you, have faith, you, if, you, if you are a person that has faith, what, what, it is, what is it special about you? You what? Begins with a K? You know. That's what faith is, right? It is knowing. Now, now, I want you to watch this. Now, faith, which is what, everyone? Knowing is the substance of things uh, uh, hoped for, the evidence of things not, what's the word, seen. Now, the Greek word for seen there is the word blepo, and it means to know. So faith is the the evidence of... of, of, Faith is the the (laughs) substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not known. Faith is knowing without knowing. Now, I know that sounds Chinese, and it's intended to sound like that, but I I want you to understand, beloved, God's word is deep. Amen? Amen. Knowing without knowing, what in the world is that, master? (laughs) You see, when Abraham brought his son up to uh, uh, Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, you know what he said? I and the lad will go, and I and the lad will return again. Hmm. Abraham knew that God had promised him that this son was to be his heir. But he didn't know how that was going to be accomplished, but he knew without what? Knowing. Faith. Knowing (laughs) without knowing. When God called Abraham, said, Abraham, I want you to go out and I'm going to lead you. Abraham went out, the Bible says, not knowing where he was going. (laughs) He knew without what? Knowing. Knowing. I'm excited about this, beloved. It is, it is seeing without what? Seeing. That's what faith is. There are angels in this room right now. I see it. But yet, I don't see it. 
Faith is, is, is knowing without knowing how. God is going to bless me. Well, how? I don't know, but I, but I know. <laughs> Did you realize that that sixth cent is a counterfeit of faith? How did you know? I just knew. The word of God promised it, and I knew. You see, beloved, faith is, faith is finding the way when there is no way. So I think about Houdini, who would always, you know, they'd put him in a trap, and then he'd just find a way out. How'd you find a way out? But, beloved, Houdini was nothing compared to Jesus. They put him in a grave. Now, how do you get out of a grave? Not only did they put him in a grave, but they put him in the grave dead. And bound him up. You know what those clothes represented that they were bound, that he was bound up in? The clothes of death. The devil's armor. It was as though the devil put his, his own clothes around Jesus saying, you now belong to me. And that's why when the disciples came in and they found the napkin that covered his head in a separate place. You don't get it. It was a symbol. It was a symbolic separation of the head of the devil from his own body. That's why the napkin was put in a different place. That's why the Bible points, the napkin was put in. The Bible says that Jesus will fold up the clothes of death. So faith, when you are in a temptation and you're going, how in the world am I going to get out of this one? Faith. The faith fighter says, watch this. Well, watch what? I don't know, but watch this. (laughs) Just, just trust me. Watch this. Can you say it with me? Watch this. Now, you have no idea what the watch this is. But you have that faith. And, beloved, when you have that faith, the devil, it will confound the devil. Why can't I? Oh, okay, now we got him. And you say, but wait, what? <laughs> watch this. Because you trust so much in Christ. Amen. So be still, be silent, focus and breathe deep. Know without knowing, see without seeing, hope in the face of hopelessness and find the way when there is no way. And then we get to art number six. The art of fighting without fighting. The art of fighting without, what in the world is that? How do you fight without fighting? How do you fight by not fighting? Let me tell you something about uh, a little, you know, martial arts, um, I don't know what you want to call it. It is, uh, it is, it is said and it is a, a general, you know, acceptance that if a martial artist allows another martial artist or anyone else to get him angry, even though he may get into the fight and beat the person, he has already lost. 
You see, as I said, greater is he who masters himself than he who masters another. So, beloved, when Jesus comes on the scene, the devil goes, oh, so you think you're the son of God, huh? What if you're the son of God, why don't you turn this stone into bread? Now, did Jesus fight? Did Jesus fight? Yes. How did he fight? By not fight. Do you get it? The art of fighting without fighting. So the devil comes and, and brings someone that spits in your face and says, I don't like you. And how do you fight back? You got real quiet on that one. <laughs> you grab him by the neck. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. You, you don't fight back. You, yeah, beloved. Why? Because it's supernatural. You can't do something like that in the... Ri- what? Are you kidding me? You can't do that in your own strength. When someone disrespects you, when someone puts you down, when someone whatever, you can't just in your own. That's why he says, son, you got to enter into the faith world. You got to enter in and sit under my feet and I will teach you how to master yourself so that nothing to them. If you be the son of God, come down from that cross. How did Jesus fight? Without fighting. Beloved, the art of fighting Without fighting. Be still. Be silent. Focus and what? Breathe deep. Know without knowing, see without seeing, hope in the face of hopelessness. Find the way when there is no way and fight without fighting. When the devil says, prove yourself, don't take that. You fight without what? Without fighting. And finally, beloved, art number seven, the art of all arts. The art that is what we may consider the final level. The art that you need these six others to go before it is the art of counter-crucifixion. The art of counter-crucifixion. You say, what in the world is that? Go with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24. Galatians chapter 5. When you get there, please say amen. Beloved, you are in fighting class tonight, amen? Galatians chapter 5. Never thought you'd have a fighting class in church, huh? Galatians chapter 5. And I want you to notice verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. What is the art of counter-crucifixion? Beloved, in the martial arts, and really in any fighting system, when someone throws a punch at you, we, <laughs> when someone throws a punch at you, you don't just step back, you what? You counter. You counter. 
How do you counter? How do you counter when, when the, you know, the flesh and sin and the devil, they are all trying to crucify you. Amen? And so what do you do with a temptation that comes at you? What do you do when sin comes at you and throws its punch? Yeah, you, no, you don't just move out the way. You, you counter what? Crucify. How many of you get that? You put the sin to what? To death. Okay, that's totally foreign to you. Put the sin to death. What did the Bible just say? They that are Christ have done what? Crucified the flesh and the affections and lust. Did you know it is possible to counter crucify a temptation? See, we just think we got to just keep dodging the temptation and just leave it living forever. Jesus says, no, counter crucify. Put it to death. Impale it upon the cross. And you say, okay, well, um, how do we do that? Let me give you these keys very quickly. Number one, a warrior must always remain calm in crisis. How do we remain calm in crisis? Well, it's because we have studied the art of stillness. We have studied the art of silence. We have studied the art of focusing and breathing deep. And so how do we learn the art of stillness I mean, or, the, or the art of calmness or being calm in crisis? Do you, anybody ever been in a fight? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> what happens when you know you're about to get into a fight? What happens is normally your adrenaline starts to, to, to flow, right? And your heart begins to, to beat faster and faster. And it's scientifically shown that the faster the heart beats, the less what? Control you have over yourself. You begin to lose those cognitive things that help you to stay in control. Well, the martial artist realizes that when he gets into conflict, the first and most important thing is that he must remain calm like Jesus in that boat. Do you remember that? In that crisis, he remained calm. When you and I come face to face with temptation, does your heart start to, oh my goodness, The first thing, in order to counter-crucify a, 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 a foe, a, a, a temptation, the first thing is that we must remain calm. And beloved, we get that calmness, that peace in Christ by doing the, the six things that Jesus showed us how to do. Amen? Amen? But after that calmness, the next thing, beloved, is that we've got to look at our position, our stance. Did you know that there's a spiritual stance? There is. You see, you say, what is that spiritual stance? Pastor Psalms 18 verse 36 says this, you have made my steps wide under me so that my feet are kept from slipping. You know what David is saying there? Now I have on a suit, so I'm not going to get into a stance. But when you look at a martial artist and he gets into a stance, what does he do? It's a wide stance. And his center of gravity is what? Lowered. In other words, beloved, he gets close to the ground. Okay, you don't get it. He bends his knees. Is it okay if I do it just a little bit? He bends his knees. He gets close to the ground. He understands that his stance must be wide and low because when your center of gravity is low, it's hard for you to be 
pushed over. You're not getting it. Are you tired of being a pushover? Then, beloved, you've got to have what is called a low and meek spirit. When the devil comes, you get low. Get in your stance. (laughs) That's not a weak stance, beloved. It's a meek stance, and only the meek survive. (laughs) Amen? You make sure that your feet are wide under you. You make sure that your center of gravity has has been lowered. Your knees are bent. And because your center of gravity is low, you know why people get pushed over? A proud spirit goes before a... You thought I was making it up, huh? (laughs) When our center of gravity is high and haughty, that's when the devil... (laughs) Watch this. Every form of sin, every fall into temptation comes because of a high and haughty spirit. So, beloved, when we fight, we've got to bend the knee and we've got to get low. Amen? Amen. And then point number three, we've got one more point that I'm going to let you go. Point number three is that when the devil throws his punch, after we have remained calm and after we have gotten into our stance, when the devil throws his punch, you trap it. Okay, let me tell you a little bit something about the martial art that I practice in. There was something called chi sao. Chi sao means sticky hand. And with sticky hand, when a person throws a punch at you, they only have two opportunities to throw a punch at you because they have two hands. That's it. Once that second hand is launched, no more punches. Reason being is because when they would throw a punch, you would use what was called sticky hand. They would throw the punch and you would grab, and I'm not trying to illustrate to you, okay? So don't take this home, okay? What did he say again? (laughs) Please focus on the spiritual lesson. When the hand was launched... That you would use your wrist and grab, they would throw the punch, you would block and then grab, their, trap their, their, their hand so that they could not let it go to try to punch you again, okay? It's called sticky hand. And beloved, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 that when temptations come our way, we should bring it into captivity. Trap the thought. Don't allow it to spread. Don't allow it to fester. Trap it right then and there. See, what we do is we allow that sin to fester and to grow and to bubble until it just spills all out. Jesus says, no, when you become a faith warrior, you learn the art of trapping. So we are calm. Our stance is low. We trap the temptation. And then the final question is this. Does temptation have a weak spot? Ever thought about that? My foe, does it actually have a weak spot? Is there a place that I could hit temptation and actually injure it so that I get the victory? And the answer is yes. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
and verse 5. The Bible says they are casting down imaginations and every what? High thing that what? Exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. You want to know what temptation's weak point is? Let me tell you what its strong point is. Exaltation. See, temptation works on height and exaltation. So, beloved, that would seem to me that the weak point of temptation is to strike low. You see, beloved, temptation comes and it says, man, get up. Get up. And as soon as you get up. You see, temptation understands that if it is to have success over you, it's got to cause you to rise. And so someone comes, oh, no, no. whatever that is. And all of a sudden you feel yourself what? Rising. And as you rise, beloved, temptation can only go as high as you are willing to rise. If you remain low, temptation can have absolute. No power. It's like when it goes sub-level, it it, it loses everything. All its power is in height and exaltation. Counter-crucifixion. Beloved, let me tell you. Let me read something to you and then then we're going to close. When Satan assails you with doubt and temptation, point him to Calvary. For he cannot stand before the weighty argument of the cross. Take the yoke of Jesus and learn of him. For he is meek and lowly of heart. That's how Jesus had the power over temptation at all times. He was in his stance. He remained low. Now, beloved, believe it or not, these are only the first principles that you learn in the school of Christ. Sitting on the the divine master of the art of faith fighting is an incredible thing. He will teach you things that you could never have learned yourself in a lifetime. Beloved, the things I'm sharing with you now is the things I've learned from him. And they're all verifiable in the word of God. And I am nobody special that he has said, I'm going to especially train you. He wants to train each and every one of you. So that I'm waiting for one of you to come and say, hey, man, I was in the master's class the other day. And he taught me something new. And I could be like, can you tell me, please? Beloved, God has a special calling for each and every one of us. He has called us to be jurors. He has called us to be wise. He has called us to be faith fighters. Man, can you, I mean, what kind of love? Beloved, something I I, want to do tonight. How do we enter into that faith world? 
The Bible tells us that we must be born again. You see, when you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. And only those who are born of the Spirit can enter into the faith world. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. God wants you to become Spirit. Are you Spirit? I want to make an appeal tonight. And there's going to be a hard appeal. And you know, maybe nobody's going to raise their hand. I don't know, but I'm making it. There is someone in here tonight who has never given their heart to Christ. And tonight, after all you've heard, you may have been going to church. I don't know. You may have been in and out, but you've never made a solid commitment to say, Lord, That's it. I want to train under you. I want to sit under you. And after all you've heard, you're saying tonight, yes, Lord, I'm ready to give you a try to make a full surrender and commitment to you. I just need you to teach me, Master. If I fall, have mercy on me, but I know you're going to get me to the place where I can get the victory. And you're saying, Lord, I want to make that commitment tonight. As difficult as it may be with everybody looking, I'm going to ask if you would raise your hand. If there is one of you, two of you, please. If tonight is the night, amen, sister. Amen, brother. Anyone, please, amen. Amen. Please raise your hand nice and high. Amen. 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 Just raise, lift your hand as though you're lifting it to God, bro. Amen. Amen. You know what the devil says? Amen. You know what the devil says? He says, man, you know, just just leave it alone. You're living life just fine. Don't worry about it. That's because, beloved, he doesn't want you to become a warrior against him. He doesn't want you to be an example to others. So if there's anyone else and you're hearing the pleadings of the Spirit of God speaking to you tonight, I'm going to ask, just raise your hand. You want to make your first commitment to Jesus Christ to serve him and say, Lord, I'm ready to go fully. Amen. Amen. Beloved, let me tell you, amen. Let me tell you. When I gave up a contract, <laughs> the devil came to me and he still comes to me today and says, you know where you could have been? Beloved, the devil will always be there. We will always have a battle. But Jesus says in me, you can win that battle. Amen? So, beloved, don't let the devil hold your hand down. If you hear God calling you and saying, I need to make this commitment now. I need to be born again. Just raise your hand. All right, now, I don't know if any of the elders want to note those who have raised their hands and maybe talk with them afterward. I'm now going to ask for those of you who have committed your lives to Christ, but you've been living in the real world. You've just been, been ignorant. You haven't understood silence, stillness, the art of focus. And you're saying now, Lord, I want to enter into your school. I want to become a student of yours and I want to make a commitment to begin to sit at your feet 
and to start off with the art of stillness, if you're ready to make that commitment, would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have spoken to our hearts tonight. Lord, we see that truly the wisdom of man is nothing compared to the wisdom of God. Oh, Lord, give us the sense to be willing to sit at your feet that we may hear things so powerful that it will be difficult to repeat, difficult to put in words, Grant us, Lord, an incredible and supernatural experience. Father, supernatural, we understand, means above nature. And you are calling us not to float on water, Lord, but to float above our human nature. Help us, Lord, to be supernatural. And Father, I want to pray for those who made a commitment tonight to to give their lives fully to you, Lord. Father, I didn't make a call for baptism, but Lord, put it upon their hearts even now. If they, if you are calling them, Lord, to, to signify this through baptism, Lord, Father, please put it upon their hearts. Let them, let them come forward with that, Lord. And then, Father, for those who have decided tonight to enroll in your school, Oh, Father, teach them through your Son. Grant them wisdom beyond their years, Lord, that others may marvel and know that this cannot be the work of man. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.